Amen. Well, I am excited to be here with you guys today. Uh, I hope that you're excited to be here as well. If you're not, that's okay. Just fake it and I'll feel good. So that's what matters. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, listen, if you have your Bibles, I want you to do me a favor. Turn to the book of James chapter 1. Uh, since Pastor Mark is away, I thought we'd take a little break from our ongoing study in Luke. And uh, oh, hey, hey, hey. when the pastor's away, the church will read a different chapter in the Bible. I don't know. We're going to get rebellious here. We're going from the Gospels to the Epistles, all right? It's going to be crazy. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, James chapter 1, um, the title of my message this morning is uh, The Man in the Mirror. Uh, you've probably heard that, that expression before, right? Like that guy needs to take a good hard look at the man in the mirror, right? Or uh, going through a hard time or going through some stuff. I, I need to take a look at the man in the mirror. And, and that's what I want to do with you guys today. I want, to, I want to ask you if you would join me as a church and as individuals at taking, taking a good, hard look at the man in the mirror. You see, we like to go to church and feel good. And, and that's great. But, but ultimately, church should be a time where we do this where we examine ourselves, where we take a look at the man in the mirror, a time where we're challenged, a time where we're convicted, a, a time uh, where uh, uh, it's not all about our comfort. And so I want to encourage you to do that with me, to, to look at the man in the mirror, for us to take a look at ourselves. And, and the reality of it is that when we do that, that's not always comfortable, that's not always easy, but can I tell you, church, it's always necessary. And so even though it might be uncomfortable at times, uh, we're better for it. We're better for taking a look at the man in the mirror. You see, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my wife has a tendency to notice things that I don't notice. Uh, she's a detailed person and uh, a woman, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm a man, and I see the big picture, and I usually don't care about the little stuff. I don't notice the little stuff. I don't want to think about the little stuff, but uh, praise God, my wife uh, is passionate about those things that I miss. She, she loves to, to point out those times where I've completely overlooked something, especially when it has to do with my character or my physical appearance. You know, you're, oh, you're going to wear that shirt today? Yeah. What? <laughs> and um, she, she noticed the things that I, I don't notice. Uh, especially there, there'll be times uh, where we'll be talking and I'll notice that she's not listening to me anymore. Which is strange because usually that's me, right? Uh, but she'll be talking and she'll be looking at me and all of a sudden she's like looking at like at me, but she's looking at something on me, right? So she's not looking at me anymore. She's looking like on me, and I'm just like, wait, what's wrong? What, what is it? And she's like, there's something wrong with your face, you know? And I'm like, no, there's not. I'm fine. And she's like, no, yes, there's a hair coming right out of your forehead, right? I'm like, no, there's not. She's like, yes. And then she'll say the words that I am most terrified of hearing, even to this day, she'll say, I got to go with the tweezers, Nothing makes me tremble in fear more than when my wife wants me to stay put while she goes to get the tweezers because I know that somebody is about to cry and it's always me. And I know there's about to be a fight and I'm going to lose because she's going to have a sharp metal object in her hand. And, and so she'll come back from the other room and I'm like, I'm fine, it's fine, leave me alone, there's nothing wrong. She's like, oh yes, there's something wrong. <laughs> And then so she'll, so she'll get all up in my business. She'll like get all up on top of me, like not in a fun way, right? And, and, and it's scary. And, and she'll get up and she'll get up and she'll with the tweet and she'll, and, and she'll start pulling and she'll start plucking and she'll start squeezing and ripping and tearing. And it doesn't matter how tough I try to act, I immediately start making girly noises and I start crying right away. Even, and, and she's like, you're crying. I'm like, I'm not crying. It's just my eyes are leaking because it hurts. It hurts. Uh, but I don't have a unibrow anymore, so you're welcome. 
thank my wife for that. Uh, but uh, it's, she notices those things. But you know what? Honestly, church, in all seriousness, I mean, I think that's why God gave us a spouse, right? To, to test those areas in our life that we would normally not want to mess with. And it's good. It, it's a good thing. And ultimately, that's exactly what the word of God is and should be in our life. You see, often, and we're going to read this here in just a moment, in this chapter in James, James uses this illustration when describing God's word. He says it's like a mirror, a mirror that is uh, uh, revealing to who we really are, to what's really happening in our, uh, in our life. And, and so uh, uh, we can examine ourselves so we can, we can see, uh, man, we can see the unibrow, you know what I'm saying? So we can see those areas that, that need to be worked on. And that's the purpose of God's word. That's one of the purposes. And, and I think oftentimes we don't like to think of the word of God as a spiritual mirror. right? When we read God's word, we, ought, we like to relate with parts of it, but not all of it. Right? We have no problem with relating with David when he's slaying Goliath. And we're like, yeah, I need to, I need to be like David and kill giants, you know? But we don't like to relate with David when he's having an affair with Bathsheba and murdering people. We're like, I would never do that. I would kill a, a giant, but I wouldn't do that, you know? And no, the, the reality of it is, is God's word is a mirror. And so when you see something you don't like, guess what? That's your face you're looking at. That's you. It's not just a historical book. It is a spiritual mirror that is reflecting our nature as humans as individuals, and as people. And so when we read God's word, I want to encourage you, and we're going to do it today, I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to recognize that this is a reflection of me, especially the parts I don't like. And that means it's tweezer time, all right? So, so let's get into it together. James chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 19. Uh, uh, starting in verse 19, he says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every uh, person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us this morning to look into the spiritual mirror. And we ask, God, that you would give us the courage and the strength not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, let your word come alive to us. Let it be living and active. Let it change us, transform us from the inside out. Lord, we need you today, God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, come and, uh, uh, and have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, lots of, uh, so much that we could talk about here, uh, even in this short passage of scripture. We, we don't have time to look at all of it, uh, but I want to I look at three specific points that I see that, that stood out to me in this passage. And, and I want to do it uh, with kind of remembering and piggy, piggybacking on that mere uh, illustration that James gives us. And so, with, with thinking about God's word like a mirror, the first the first point that I notice here is, is noticing the blemish. The first thing James does is he shows us a blemish. He shows us something that's wrong. He shows us the details. And, and he begins to reveal those, the, the, those details. And the, the detail that he specifically points out here in this first passage, he says this. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, 
slow to speak and slow to anger. Now, most people would say, hey, that's really good advice, right? That's some sound piece of, of, of wisdom. Let every person be uh, slow to speak, slow, uh, uh, slow to, uh, quick to hear, sorry, slow to speak and slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so, and so James, he points out this problem. He points out this issue. It's, it's, it's anger. He says, listen, you should be slow to anger. And, 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 and man, we, we hear that and we say, man, that is great. Yes, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then we're driving to work and we're like, get out of my way, right? <laughs> so we, say, we hear it and we say, yes, that's really good. But doing it is kind of another story, right? Why? Because we know what it's like to be angry. We know what it's like to have somebody cut us off in traffic. We know what it's like to, to, to have that, that burning, just, just ugh, rage starting to build up inside of us. And, and the truth is, is, man, we live in an angry world, don't we? I mean, I mean it, doesn't, it doesn't take much. We can look around and we can say, man, everybody's kind of ticked off today, you know? Like, like every, there's anger everywhere. You don't have to go very far outside of your house to see someone expressing themselves in anger. In fact, most of you don't even have to go outside of your house, right? It's like it's right here. We're dealing with it right now. And if you drive to work, if you have a commute, boy, you know it. Every day you're dealing with anger. Their anger and your anger. And you're just angry at everybody. Everybody's angry at you. It's a reality. We see it all the time. We, we see it on, on the news. We see it on TV. I mean, I feel like we've become even uh, desensitized. We, we've seen it so much. We're so used to it that it's like not even a big deal. Like we, we, we even use it just for entertainment. You know, you see those videos where, where somebody's freaking out on somebody else at the store and they're screaming and yelling and we watch that and we laugh. I mean, I do. It's like, oh my gosh, like this person's crazy, Right. Or we see those road rage videos and we're just like, and we, it's almost this place of entertainment now. And so I, I can't help but ask myself the question, man, why is everybody so angry? Well, what's going on that is causing everyone to, to act like such crazy people? And, and if we, we think about this, I, I think it's common sense. I, I think it's real logical. Well, why, why do we get angry? What causes anger? And I think the, the, the first thing that often causes us to get angry is that we're offended. Someone does something or says something that's offensive to us, and that makes us angry. Who does that person think they are? They should take a good hard look at the man in the mirror, right? They do something that, that is offensive. How, how dare they drive that way or say that thing or whatever it might be. And we become uh, offended and, and, and that offense is allowed to stay. That offense is allowed to build and to grow and to fester until it expresses itself into some sort of ungodly acts of anger. And we usually end up saying things that we know we should have never said. And we end up doing things that we know we should have never done. But in the moment it felt so right because why we were offended. Because you shouldn't have done what you did. And so, yeah, I shouldn't have done what I did, but it's because you did what you did. And, we, and, and, and we're offended. And, and church, can I tell you something? This isn't just the world. This isn't just a problem for outside. This is a problem we have to deal with. This is a problem that is very relevant in the church. I mean, come on, can I be honest? Christians are really good at being offended and, be, and being offensive to one another. We're good at it. I don't know why. I mean, honestly, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised because we know that church is not full of perfect people. That church is full of a bunch of screwed up people that realize they need help, so they come to church because we need Jesus. So just know if you come into a building full of screwed up people that need Jesus, somebody's going to do or say something that's going to offend you. That's what's going to happen. It's almost inevitable. And we're so surprised by it. We're like, oh my gosh, that person didn't even say hi to me. That person did this to me. That person did that. How dare they? I'm not going to church anymore. They're messed up people. <laughs> and we laugh, but isn't that true? Isn't that exactly what our thought process is? We think, man, I thought so much more of them. Why would you? 
Why would you? Man, we, and, and so, man, there, offense is a huge problem in the church today. I mean, it's crazy. We have people who, they get so upset and they leave and they come and they go, listen, and I'm not just talking about the church, which I am, but I'm also talking church, I'm talking about our church. I'm talking about New Life Church. I'm talking about these four walls. Man, we have people come and go all the time because they're offended. And man, and, and, and it's, man, it breaks my heart. It shouldn't be that way. But man, we get so offended and we get angry. And then we make choices and decisions based out of this anger, out of this offense. Can I tell you, you ain't making a good choice. If you're doing it out of offense, if you're doing it out of anger, uh, man, you're not gonna, it's, it's not gonna change the problem. But we do that. We get, a, we get offended and we make choices. But listen to what uh, uh, it, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter seven. I, I love this. It says, do not take to heart all the things that people say. Don't take it. To, he, he's saying, man, don't take everything everybody says so seriously. Right? He, he's saying, lighten up, man. Don't, don't be so easily offended by everyone around you. Don't take it to heart. He's saying, don't take it personal. Because here's the thing, church. We are a bunch of sinners coming together to worship a perfect God. We're going to offend one another. And when we do, we shouldn't be surprised. Instead, we should just be like, eh, it's going to happen. We should be expecting it and not taking it to heart. But what we do is we, we do, we take it to heart. We take it personal, don't we? Somebody says something or does something and we take it personal. Oh, they meant that directly at me. Oh, that, that, that was, they were only think, they were, they, you know, and we just, we take it completely personal. You know what I've noticed? Like 90% of the time, that's just a number I made up, but that feels right. Like, <laughs> 90% of the time when I get offended, because here, here's the thing, I get offended. You get offended, I get offended. We, we're all, we, I have to deal with this. And 90% of the time when I get offended, like, you know, because we, our, our, our imaginations, they start to run wild, don't they? Somebody says something, does something, and it's small, but it grows. It grows in our mind. And it could be something really simple, really not a big deal. But all of a sudden, Pastor Trevor didn't text me back right away. That's because I suck at that, right? But, but all of a sudden, like, like, it grows in your mind. It's like, he don't like me. He don't like me. He, he, he's mad at me. He's this or that. And it grows. And, 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 I, I can't, and, and we do that. I do it. I think, oh, man, what? You know, I'll, I have the, you know, I'll probably do it later today. I think, man, so-and-so didn't come to church today. You know what? It's because they knew I was preaching. I bet that's why they didn't come. They probably don't like me. And then I'll see them and I'll wave at them while they're driving. They won't see me. Right? I'll be like, see, he did that on purpose, man. They don't like me. And it grows and it grows. And here's the thing, church. We get, man, we are offended with ghosts. We're offended with things that aren't even there, that aren't even real. And I've realized that 90% of the time when I'm offended with somebody, they don't even know. And you want to know Why? Because I've discovered that there's not like a big book of how to offend Trevor and people don't wake up in the morning and open the how to offend Trevor book and get to work. They don't do that. Right? Okay. Some of you are like making hand signals towards each other. So, Oh, he found out. No, it's, that's not it. Guess what? I've learned that I'm not that important. I'm not important enough to, for people to spend that much time and that much energy and that much brain power on trying to figure out how to offend me. They don't think about it that much. They do it. But that's just because they do. That's not because they want to. And so when I go to those people, when I finally work up the courage to say, whoa. <laughs> when I finally work up the courage... <laughs> To say something to them, like, hey, man, you remember the other day when you, you know, this happened, that you said that, or whatever, I, man, it's been really on my mind, oh, man, every time they're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea, I'm so sorry, I didn't, I can see how that came across wrong, man, it wasn't you, I was dealing with this thing over here, and you know what, I feel like junk, because I realize I've been making it all about me, when really, man, they've got their own thing going on. And here I am walking around all hurt like I'm this like bunny caught in a trap and, the and they're this big bad wolf. And the truth is, is they're caught in their own trap. 
They've got their own thing going on. They've got their own hurt that they're dealing with and, 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 and therefore it has nothing to do with me and we are offended with ghosts. So church, I, I wanna say as a church, we've gotta stop being so offended with each other. Especially with each other. We're in this together. Our Christian brothers and sisters, let's not take everything so personal. Because when I do, I hold on to it. I, I hold on to that offense and it turns into anger. And when I get angry, when I express myself in anger, I never get the results I want. You ever notice that? It usually just makes everything way worse. And, and that's exactly what James says. He says, listen, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we think it does. We think, oh boy, this person messed up. I better help God out and let them know just how jacked up they are. And God's like, I don't need your help. Uh, I love what Proverbs 19.11 says. And we got to grab a hold of this. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Did you hear that, church? It's his glory to overlook an offense. Not his glory, his glory, my glory, your glory, a person with some sense, that person's glory to overlook an offense. So that's saying it should be our default nature as Christians, as followers of Christ, to overlook offenses. Right, Because offenses are going to happen, they're going to be there, but it's our glory, it's our honor, it's our privilege to overlook it. What that means is that we should operate, our, our natural response should be to always give each other the benefit of the doubt. Man, I, I don't know why he didn't say hi to me, I don't know why they didn't do this, I don't know why they that, did that or said that, but you know what? They're probably having a bad day, it's not about me. They probably got their own thing going on. It's not about me. It should be our natural state of being to overlook an offense. Now, I know it's not, but that should be our goal. Amen. Just to give people the benefit of the doubt because we're going to be offended. And if you're not offended, just wait. I promise I will offend you. I did a personality test. It basically said, you're a jerk. I was like, that's weird. I'm paraphrasing, but it did, I mean, it was like, yeah, you're not good with people. I'm like, well, I'm a pastor, so I have to figure this thing out. I had Pastor Mark, this is funny, this is just off topic, but Pastor Mark, I had him do the same one. It said like, oh, you're like awesome with people. People love you. You love people. Like, you're all about people. And I'm just like, damn. I don't think they're right. <laughs> I don't know. No, we're offended. We, we get offended. Why, so, so why are we angry? We're angry because we're offended. And why are we offended? This is very easy. Because we're sinners. We are offended because, we, uh, because of our sinful nature. Because it is in our nature to sin. We live uh, in a sinful world, a fallen world, and, and sin is the reality. And therefore, we are offended and offensive. Why? Because sin in its nature is offensive. I mean, it's in the very nature of sin to be offensive. Think about it for a moment. Romans chapter five says this in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so when God created the world, when he created creation, he created in this perfect way, in this perfect environment. What did he say? He said, it's good, right? So we know it was good. It was perfect, all of creation, and then, and, and so you have all of creation in its, in its perfectness, and then you have sin, and what happened is sin came into creation. So it wasn't part of the goodness that it started with, it was outside and it came in, and as a result, these two worlds collided and everything got shaken up, everything got turned upside down, everything got distorted, and that which was once good became distorted, became twisted, became upside down. And so therefore, our, the natural state of the world in which we live is a sinful state. Parents, you know this. It's in our nature to sin. We don't have to teach it. And sin, it's in the nature of sin to be offensive. I mean, even the world, I think this is funny. When you look, even the world, which embraces sin, celebrates sin, but when it feels the consequences of sin, they don't like it. 
And that they don't like the consequences of the very thing in which they embrace. And they're always so surprised. Oh, I can't believe you did such a terrible thing. And, and we're going to send you to, to prison and do all these things. Although sin is great. <laughs> like, what? But that's what happens. James 4 Verse one says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So he's saying here in chapter four, he's saying, man, you got all these problems. You're offended, you're angry, you're fighting, all these things. Why? Because you're all sinners, because you've got sin in you. And as a result, that sin is offensive. And so church, we have to understand as a church, as, a bo- as the body of Christ, as believers, God's desire for us is to be united together in him. But it won't happen as long as sin is allowed to stay in our hearts. Because as long as sin goes unchecked in our hearts, we will offend each other. You see, sin has consequences. It has, there's, there's like this ripple effect of sin. Listen, don't ever say, oh, this sin's not that bad because it's not affecting anyone else. You are deceived. All right, well, if you say this, what I'm doing isn't that big of a deal because it doesn't involve anyone else, man, you have bought into the lie of the devil. It's not true. You may not see it, but, it's, but the reality of it is, is sin has a, a ripple effect like a stone in, in the water. It has a rippling effect. Sin in itself, in its nature, is offensive, not only to us, but to all those around us. Sin has consequences. Every sin, not some sin, not big sin, every sin has consequences. When Lauren and I got married, um, we... uh, had the wedding in Arizona because we had just moved here and all of our friends were in Arizona. So we moved there or we, we went back there for the wedding and we had the wedding. And then we, when we came here, we had a reception so we could get more gifts. You know, we didn't want to leave anybody out. It's like, we know you want to get us gifts. That's fine. We can make it happen. I always think it's funny uh, when, when people renew their vows, you know, which if you renew your vows, that's, that's awesome. But I always think it's like, like they don't expire, you know, it's not like your license, you gotta go renew it, you know? Like, it's still good. So I'm like, do they just, I think they just want gifts, you know? That's what they're doing here. It's like every couple years, we should renew our vows so people will have to, like, buy us. Um, but anyway, so we had this reception, and, and uh, you know, so we can get gifts. And, and uh, so people brought us gifts, and, um, and one of the things, I don't know, this was so, it was weird, because we got a ton of cake mix, like the boxes of cake mix, like the 98 cent boxes from, from Walmart. We got a ton of them. Like, there was like a lot of people were like, ah, cake mix, you know? It was awesome. <laughs> I was a genius. We didn't register for this, but we should have. Because can I tell you something? I like cake. And so we had cake and, 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 and we're like, sweet, like cake. And so Lauren, so the first like year of our marriage, Lauren baked cake. And I ate cake. It was a great combination. And so we had cake. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. So honestly, like there was times we're like, this is my dinner, you know, dessert. And that was kind of great because I was like, no one's telling me I can't do this, you know? Like I'm all grown up and on my own and I'm having cake for dinner, you know? And so I would have cake. And can I tell you something? I wouldn't just have like a slice of cake like normal people would have. No, I would have the cake, right? Now. And I was young and I, and, and I could do it. I could just shovel down a whole cake like that was nothing. Let's have enough. What's for dessert, right? And uh, didn't seem to have any negative consequences for a little bit. So we ate all that cake. And then one day, I see Brother Thomas, uh, our, our missionary from, from Nigeria, if you don't know, I'm like just an amazing man of God. And uh, uh, I see Brother Thomas, I give him a big old hug. He's like, hey, how's it going? And one of the first things he does is he pats me on the belly and says, I see your wife's a good cook. <laughs> and I'm like, 
so thrown off. And I'm like, I think Brother Thomas said I'm fat. I was like, wait, can he say that? You know? Like, he's like a holy man, you know? And, and, and he was just like, hey, you know, you're putting on some weight. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I think, and I think like, that time I saw him, he said, like, several times, like, in his own special way, you're a fatty. And I realized in that moment, eating that much cake does have consequences. And I learned in a very valuable lesson that no one ever, no matter what the circumstance, should ever eat an entire pan of cake, especially multiple times. Sin has consequences. And as long as sin, listen, church, can I tell you, if you are struggling with offense, it's probably because there's, and you can't let it go. And you can't, get, you can't get forgiveness or give forgiveness. Listen, if you're not giving forgiveness, there's a really good chance you're not getting forgiveness. Listen, if you're not giving grace and mercy, there's a really good chance you're not getting grace and mercy. Can I tell you, you can't give something you don't have. And so as Christians, we have to understand that if we are holding on to an offense, it is sin. And that sin has consequences in our life. Our natural position as Christians is to overlook an offense, not to hold on to it. And if we're holding on to it, there's a deeper issue in our hearts. Listen, most of the time, we're, we're, we're offended with ghosts. But there are some times where it's legit. I get that. It's legit. But you were forgiven. You, you were forgiven. And no matter what has happened, if we want forgiveness, we gotta be willing to give it. Because as bad as whatever happened to you, I promise it was not as bad as what we did to Jesus. It wasn't. Think of the worst scenario you can think of. Guess what? The son of God died for you. So the second, uh, oh, I'm still on the first point. Oops. Okay. So, so the first point here when looking at the mirror is notice the blemish recognize that there's a problem. The, the, the second one is then apply the ointment, right? So, so he says this. So, so we, we recognize we have anger. We recognize that anger comes from offense and that offense is ultimately a, a heart issue of sin. And so what does he say about it? He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So, so he says, okay, here's the problem. What, what do you do about it? Receive with humility, God's word. So the answer is the word of God. You're like, sweet, I'm good. I bought one of those at Walmart like years ago. It's on the shelf somewhere. No, 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 it's not just having the word. He goes on in verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, so ultimately what James says, okay, we recognize that there's a problem. It's a sin issue deep in your heart. The word of God will show us that. Then the second step is not to just see that there's a problem. I mean, imagine with me for a moment that you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you see that your hair is standing up all crazy and there's a piece of lettuce stuck in your teeth from last night's dinner, still there, it's just growing, right? Like just being awesome. And then, and then you, and there's like a big zit on your nose, right? And you look at it and you think, oh my gosh, I look hideous, right? And so what do you do in that moment? What's your response to this hideous image in front of you? Well, you are, are upset. And you're like, how dare this mirror make me look so ugly? So you rip it off the wall and you smash it on the ground. And you say, problem solved. Did you fix the problem? No. 
You don't have to look at it, but everybody else still does. And he's saying, listen, if you just hear the word, I mean, because you're like, dude, who would do that? Like, who would see, like, last night's lettuce in your teeth and be like, eh, I'm just going to go over here and go away now, you know? Who would do that? I don't know, a crazy person, right? Can I tell you, the church is filled with crazy people. Because we're looking at the spiritual mirror of God's word and we're seeing it reflect all kinds of issues, all kinds of heart problems, and then we just walk away and say, hallelujah, praise Jesus. What? He's saying, no, no, no. You can't just be a hearer of the word. You have to be a doer of the word. So not only does God's word show you those places where you fall short, it also helps you begin to remove the lettuce. It's the tweezers, baby. And, and so church, we, we have got to understand that just hearing, and here's the thing, listen, this is a big deal. The church is filled with hearers. There's all kinds of people who hear a message, hear the word of God. They say yes and amen, and they walk out those doors, and nothing changes. You are deceived, the Bible says. You just saw lettuce in your teeth, and then you went out and smiled at the world, couldn't figure out why they're all offended with you. God showed us our ugliness, and we just walked away. See, don't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers. What good does it do if I buy some cream, some ointment for the zit, and I set it on the counter, and I don't do nothing? My wife says, you've got a unibrow. And I said, well, I've got tweezers. They're in the bathroom. I don't know why it's still there. Pick it up and use it. <laughs> Apply it. We can't just be hearers. The answer looks like doing. He says this in uh, James 4, verse 4. He says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So here's the thing. Why do we do this? Why do we look at the mirror, see that there's a problem, and then walk away and pretend like there's not? Why? The reason for it is because we are holding on to the dead man. We're holding on to the world. We're holding on to the culture of sin that we've grown so used to and so fond of. And he says, no, no, listen, if you want to be a friend of God, you, you cannot be a friend of the world. But so many people today, they want to go to church, they want to say yes and amen, I agree with the word. It don't matter if you agree with it, are you doing it? We want to say, no, no, I, I agree with that, but I still want to live the way I want to live. I still want to hold on to the world. I still want to hold on to the thinking and the perspective of the world. And church, can I tell you, it does not work that way. You see, when somebody immigrates into a new country, say like our, our nation, if somebody legally immigrates into America, they apply for citizenship, they go through a process, right? And in that process, they're taught the, the history and the culture and the values of our nation. And, and the whole purpose of that is for them to understand this is why you want to come here, because of these values, because of these things, because of this culture, and so they come and they say, yes, that's what I want. I want to live in that culture. I want to be a part of that, that, that perspective, that, that way of life. But what happened, and, and so, so they, 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 they migrate, they leave the old culture and they embrace the new one, so to speak. They leave the old way of doing things and they embrace the new way of doing things. And when you become a Christian, that's exactly what should happen. We're transformed, we're born again into a new nation, a new kingdom, with a new culture. My cousin just graduated boot camp from the Marines. Uh, it was really awesome, we got to go see him this last week uh, in Paris Island, uh, uh, South Carolina. And um, man, as soon as you walk on base, you realize you're not in Kansas anymore. You know, you, you, you walk into a, a marine base and, and you realize they do things differently here, you know? And, and, and it, was a, it, was, it was like a, like a whole new culture. And so we're hanging out on base and I'm just like, like, this is awesome because, man, everybody walks different. Everybody talks different. Everybody does things. It's their culture. Yes, there's a lot of screaming and yelling and like guys with guns, but, but, but man, there's, it's, just, it's more than that. There's like this cultural mindset that they have. Even I notice it so well in my cousin. Like, yeah, he was the same kid, but he was not the same kid. You know what I'm saying? 
Why? Because he had, he, had he had adopted a new culture into his life, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. He was a Marine, and they have this saying in the Marines, once a Marine, what? That means even when you retire and you get out and you get fat, you're still a Marine. Why? Because there's this cultural mindset. And once you embrace the culture of the Marine Corps, that's who you are. It's a part of your identity. Church, it's the same thing as a Christian. When you be, accept Christ as your Savior, when you become born again, you're born into a new culture. You're born into a new mindset. You're born into a new way of seeing things, a new worldview. You go from the way of the world to the way of the Bible. From, from, a, from a, a cultural worldview to a biblical worldview. We embrace a new way of doing things. Yet we sometimes try to hold on to the old ways. But you became a Christian because the old ways weren't working. So he says this in Ephesians 4, verse 31. says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Let, let, let all your ugliness, let all of your junk, let all of your hurt, all your, 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 your bitterness and your, and your offenses and your anger, let it all be put away from you. And then he says, this is, he's, he's saying, that's the old culture. That's the old way of doing things. That's not who you are anymore. He says, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the new culture. That's the new mindset. It's a kingdom point of view. It's not a, a worldly point of view. He says now there's a new way of dealing with offense. There's a new way of dealing with hurt. There's a new way of dealing with anger. There's a new way of dealing with your sin. It's a new culture. When we become born again, we're born into a new culture with new values. So, the first thing that we recognize is we recognize the blemish. The mirror shows us the blemish. The second thing the mirror does is it helps us apply the ointment. It helps us recognize there's a new way of doing things. And then the third point that I want to make with you in worship team, if you guys want to come up, the third point is do not be deceived. You see, he says this. I, I know some of you might be thinking, Pastor Trevor, you sound like you're really preaching on works today. I'm not. And if you think James is about works, you missed it. And if you think this is about works, you've missed it. He says this in verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious, so we're, he's like, if anyone thinks he's good because of his works, <laughs> if anyone thinks he's good because of his religion, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, you're deceived. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, so what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, now don't try to cover up your sin with a little bit of makeup. Because we do that. We see that there's a blemish. We see there's a problem. So I just cover it up. It's still there, but it's not as noticeable. So I'm good. He says, no, you're deceived. No, you're deceived. No, I'll just cover it up with a little bit of good works. I'll just cover it up with a little church attendance. I'll just cover it up with a little bit of, you know, you know singing the songs or whatever. No, no, no. He's like, you're, you're, that's, you're, you're deceived. You see, church, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about heart surgery. We're talking about what happens on, not, not the outer work, but the inner work that comes through him. And when he does the inner work, then my outer workings is different. I'm thinking different. I, I, I'm, I'm acting different. I'm seeing things differently. I'm in a new culture, a new mindset, not because I'm going through the motions and doing the works, but because Jesus Christ did the work on my heart and I'm a new person. I'm a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of earth. So it's not about just being a good person. You, uh, you already blew that. That's not on the table. It's about receiving what he has for you that will cause you to act way different than you ever did before. But if you're holding on to those old ways, you're deceived. So don't. Stop doing things the way the world does it. They need Jesus. And I need Jesus and I got him so I don't have to do it that way anymore. I got a new way now. 
So don't deal with your don't deal with your anger and don't deal with your sin the same way you did when you were in the world. Now you're in the army of God now. Now you do it a different way. Now you do it his way. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, for your incredible love. God, that you loved us enough not to leave us in our sin, but you rescued us. And God, sometimes we're looking back at our sin and our filth and our junk and our ugliness and we're longing for it. God, forgive us. Lord, help us to approach your word as a spiritual mirror that's reflecting those things in our life that you're working on. And help us to actually be doers and not just hearers. Help us not to just agree with what we hear, but help us to actually apply the ointment of your word, the, the sweet balm, the soothing salve of the word of God into our hearts and our souls, that it would penetrate deep past the rough edges of our outer skin and into our heart where we would be made new and it would come out. We thank you for that. Lord, help us not to be deceived thinking it's not, it has anything to do with anything we can do, but everything to do with what you have done. We thank you for that. We just give you all the praise. Listen, church, if you're here this morning, I want, we're just gonna end with a, a time of worship. And I wanna encourage you, listen, let's take a good hard look at the man in the mirror. So what is the Holy Spirit confronting with you, uh, you with today? What is he calling you out on today? What is he showing you today that, uh, that needs his word, to uh, the application of his word to change? Open your hearts and allow him to begin to reveal that to you. As we worship, I wanna encourage you, if you would like prayer, need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. The altar is open. If you just need to get along with God and let him deal with you with these things, please do so. But don't leave until you've taken a good hard look at the man in the mirror. Let's stand together and let's worship. So, Lord, here we are. We're works in progress, but we thank you, Lord, that there is progress. And, Lord, we ask that you'd help us not to be complacent, but that we'd be good, good stewards of your word.
Lord, that every day we would look at the spiritual mirror that you have given us and that we would examine ourselves and that you would allow, that you would help us to apply your word into our lives, not just hearers, but doers who are actually doing and changing and growing. We thank you for it, God. We worship you today. I bless every single one that's here. I ask that you would just encourage them, bless their home. Lord, I pray that you would be the center, that you would be the focus this week of all that we do. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. We love you so much. We'll see you next time. Step